HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. On the Heritage Radio Network, I'm Erica Wides, your host. Uh-oh, uh, more doom and gloom from your favorite radio host. This time I think we've really reached rock bottom. I fear that we've tumbled and fallen and rolled head over oversized asses and futilely clutched at the walls with chubby fingers and tried to get a grip on the way down to just slow down the fall and maybe make it all stop. But it never stopped. Until now. And I never thought I'd say it. I couldn't imagine it. I thought the foodiness rabbit hole had no bottom. That there were different circles, different floors, or or different stops, like on the subway. Or like Dante's Inferno, maybe. Or like an elevator. I've always said that there were six degrees of foodiness. I have defined the six degrees of foodiness in the past. But you could get off at different levels and stop your descent into hell and reject the foodiness and embrace the real and save yourself from that deep, endless rabbit hole. But but no, turns out there's a bottom to the rabbit hole. And I think we may be there. And I don't mean the mashed potato machines at 7-Eleven. It's much worse than that. It's like, like we're a, like a bunch of drunks. Like, we're just a bunch of drunks after one too many lost weekends. We're like Don Draper in season three when he sleeps through the weekend and he forgets to pick up the kids in Westchester and Betty gets so mad and he finally gets it somewhat under control. Or we're like Jack Lemon and Lee Remick in Days of Wine and Roses staggering 
under our own drunken weight in a stupor of too many whole grain Pringles and too much vitamin enhanced blue flavored Gatorade and seeing our reflection in the window and saying, I wonder who that bum is. And then I saw that it was me. Now look at me. I'm a bum. Look at me. Look at you. You're a bum. Look at you and look at us. Look at us. Come on. Look at us. See? A couple of bums. That's a quote from Days of Wine and Roses, which my ninth grade health teacher made us watch in health class in school. She made us watch Days of Wine and Roses to try and scare the crap out of us about the evils of drinking, even though her kids went to our school and we knew that she was secretly a chain-smoking anorexic. Now, I actually thought that in Days of Wine and Roses, Jack Lemon and Lee Remick kind of looked like they were having a lot of fun. But that's because I've never been able to drink more than two cocktails without falling asleep on the bar. So I was never really at much of a risk for alcoholism or really even binge drinking because I may overdo it on broccoli rob or maybe on cauliflower. But the aftermath of that aftermath of that is it's much less ugly. It's maybe just a little fragrant. I mean, you know, I've smoked my share of a bong or three, but even that gets boring. And after all, pot makes you kind of stupid and... I'm too smart and too ambitious to be stupid. So look at us, a couple of bums. I mean, I thought 7-Eleven invading New York City was bad. I thought there were only six degrees of foodiness, but I was wrong. After all, how could you go further than vitamin-enhanced, artificially sweetened, marshmallow-flavored protein bars made out of corn syrup or Pepsi with added fiber? Well, I was wrong about that. I guess my imagination for foodiness degrees is limited. I mean, maybe I need to go, you know, smoke a bong or something. Somebody in foodiness R&D sure has been maybe doing that. Because that is the only explanation for the latest foodiness product I came across, which we'll get to in a minute. The point is right now that, yes, I can admit it, I was wrong that there were only six degrees of foodiness because the foodiness industrial complex has outdone itself this time. Or maybe I did imagine that foodiness could go further, but I was in denial that they'd do it. So maybe they've just gone where I suspected they'd go, but innocently, naively thought that they wouldn't. I'm not sure one. I'm not really sure why. Maybe under all this Jewish sarcasm and darkness is really a goyish Mary Poppins trying to get out. That I'm really an optimist, that maybe I'm like Anne Frank, in spite of being herded up like cattle and exterminated by the Nazis, I still believe that people are really good at heart. Oh, please. As if. So you know who Gertrude Stein was, right? And you know what Gertrude Stein said when she went back to her home in Oakland, California, and proclaimed, there is no there there? The point is that, it's what I say about foodiness, that there is no there there. And now there really, really is no there there. There's no there anywhere. There never was a there or even a here to become a there. Would you like me to get to the point of this show? The point is that foodiness rock bottom, that place where we can't go any lower, that 10th circle of hell, that 7th degree of foodiness, that place that Don Draper can't even get to, is here. There may not be a there to it, but it's here here in the form of edible foodiness advertising. Yes, foodiness is now actually asking you to eat the ads. It's like some foodiness exec held a big meeting, and instead of proclaiming, let them eat zero-calorie vitamin C-enhanced cake, he or or she 
<clears throat> or she, proclaimed, let them eat ads for zero-calorie vitamin C-enhanced cake instead. Let me explain to you, in case you've forgotten, the six degrees of foodiness. First, there's food. That's not a degree. There's just food. In this example, let's say an orange. Then first-degree foodiness would be an orange juice, which is made mostly from concentrated sugar from the oranges, but still, nonetheless, almost food. <clears throat> Second or third degree would be reduced sugar, calcium-enhanced orange juice. Fourth degree would maybe be something like Sunny Delight, which people think is orange juice, but it's not even really an orange product. Or maybe it's got some juice in it. Fifth degree is orange-flavored sodas like Sunkiss, which maybe have the tiniest little drop of actual juice in them. Sixth degree foodiness, which is what I've always believed to be the final degree, as far as we could go down the rabbit hole. Sixth degree would be like Fanta or other orange-flavored drinks, like orange sports drinks. No real orange, just flavored with orange flavor. Orange flavor is a flavoring made in a flavor lab in New Jersey somewhere. It tastes like orange flavor, not like an actual orange. It just tastes orange, like the color, like red color, like red flavor. Remember the flavor of red lifesavers? They were always the best ones, of course, because they were red, red flavor. So if six-degree foodiness is orange-flavored drinks without any actual orange in them, then how can you go further? Can't think of anything else? See, this is where smoking all that pot comes in. This is how we get to the brave new frontier of seventh-degree foodiness, edible advertising. In this case, flavored to taste like Fanta flavoring. It's Fanta-flavored paper. Paper edible, an ad that you eat. It's very Willy Wonka, actually, but with Willy Wonka, it was curious and charming, and you kind of wanted to try it. Here, it's just kind of terrifying, and truly the only paper you should ever eat should be about a quarter of an inch in size, and actually have a tiny image of Alice from her wonderland on it. Otherwise, you really shouldn't eat paper, regardless of how it's flavored. So you get it? It's not just artificially, chemically flavored foodiness products now. It's advertising flavored to taste like those artificial, chemically flavored products. It's sort of like those teenage boys in Japan that you read about now, the ones who have never left their rooms in their homes, and they're unable to interact with the actual world because they've spent their whole lives in the virtual one, online and playing video games. They have no there there either. Their there is virtual, which for my under 30 listeners, it means it doesn't really exist. It isn't real. It's just an idea of reality, not reality itself. If you don't know what reality is, you can just Google it. What I seriously do not understand, though, about that, about those Japanese boys, is that Japan is so totally awesome. And if I were a teenage boy in Japan, I would be out every day eating everything in sight on my father's yen. And because I was a teenage boy, I could and I would never gain any weight. I mean, you can get raw horse in sushi bars in Japan. How much more real does it get than that? But maybe it's because we don't want reality, which would explain everything. And which is what I'm going to get to after we take a short break. We'll be right back. Thank you. 
This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery. Thank you for listening to the show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Remember that Heritage Radio Network is member-supported. So if you're listening to this show, you need to become a member. You can go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on Join and join us here and become a member and support us. We will not be sending you a mug or a tote bag or an umbrella or anything like that, but you'll have the satisfaction of knowing that you're a member. You can also listen to all the Heritage Radio Network shows ever produced on the Heritage Radio Network website, and you can also listen to them all on iTunes. And if you're a fan of Let's Get Real, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. You can also find Let's Get Real on Facebook, and you can visit my website, which is Let's Get Real Show, where you can watch videos of me doing other things than this show, but you can also listen to every show I've ever done. You have so many options. Life is life is really good. Okay, there's a show, speaking of nonprofit broadcasting, there is a show on PBS, a BBC show called Call the Midwife that I really love. It's all about the British National Health Service in the post-war years in London. And it follows a group of young nurses and midwives in this poor London neighborhood. It was a program that the National Health Service had started after the war to improve the health of infants and moms. And they had these roving midwives who were trained to go around and help with home births, which is a great idea. Hmm, why don't we do that? So on the show, they scurry about east end, the east end of London on their bicycles, delivering babies in the homes of poor people and helping the local kids with all their kind of problems and dealing with the omnipresent issues of the British class system, which is designed to keep people down. And it's the usual BBC stuff, of course, but it's great and I love it. So last night they re-ran the Call the Midwife Christmas special. It's March. I don't really know why, but they did. Now it's in England, so they can say Christmas, not holiday, like here in PC USA. So it was the Christmas special. And on this very special episode, a young teenage girl finds herself knocked up. But she doesn't tell anyone. She's afraid. She keeps it a secret. And she finally goes into labor, and she delivers her own baby in an attic on her own, just basically squats down and pops it out. Then she very carefully cuts the cord with a pair of scissors. She wraps the baby up in a blankie and she leaves it on the steps of the midwife's house. Now the midwives all live together in a house called Nonata's house and they live there with a bunch of old nuns who are also nurses. Now she abandons the kid and they take the kid but eventually they figure out that it's hers 
and she's reunited with the baby, and the parents learn to accept it, and they all raise it together, and everything is okay, and everyone's happy because it's England, and they have national health care and subsidized education, and we don't, which is why they also have Maggie Smith and Lawrence Olivier, and why we have Nene Leakes and Honey Boo Boo Child. So that's what happens. Oh, yes, and The Bachelor, of course. So here... In a similar situation, when a young, scared teenager finds herself in the family way, she hides it for nine months so that she can still go to her prom. Then she sneaks away into the high school bathroom in between Don't Stop Believing" and Forever Young and unceremoniously plops that baby out into the toilet. Then she wraps it up in those scratchy brown paper towels from the high school bathroom and chucks it into the, into the dumpster behind the cafeteria, all in enough time to get back onto the dance floor for the big final dance to I Will Always Love You, the Whitney Houston version, not the Dolly Parton version, of course. And then hop into the rented limo to chug down a sixer of Zima and head to the beach where she again promptly throws up and wakes up at dawn with her dress over her head, pregnant again. And someone eventually finds the baby in the dumpster and cleans it up and gets it to a hospital where it stays until it winds up in the foster care system and is passed around until maybe someone adopts it and it grows up to be, I don't know, Kim Kardashian? Or what we here at Let's Get Real call toilet babies. Or rather, Nick Kroll, who's a comedian, he calls them toilet babies. Now, we all remember them. They were from the very late 80s, early 90s trend to hide your pregnancy and plop it out in the toilet at the prom. I don't know if it was exactly a trend, but it was in the news a lot back then. And on the Kroll show, he imagines one named Cesar, who is now 17. And he came out about as well as someone whose first gasp of air was in a toilet should be expected to. The point is that in exchange for not stealing Nick Kroll's idea... I'm kissing his tuchus, hoping I can get him onto the show or that he will at least listen to this show. The point for you is that edible advertising is the toilet babies of food. It's just about as low as you can go. There is a there there. It's just really, really low. And you have to bend way, way, way down to see it. And if you've eaten too much edible advertising, your gut is probably too big to bend down that low. I'm sorry. And it's not just what you eat that can qualify as a toilet baby. It's where you shop. Like Staples. Did you know that Staples doesn't just sell keyboards and pens and paper clips and printers? They now sell food, too. And why not? Oh, yes. Staples has a large, well-stocked grocery aisle now filled with all the food. Staples. (laughs) That you need to get through your day as an insurance agent or telemarketer or drone pilot. And on the Staples website, they very kindly have separated the food available into different categories like snack and healthy. So, of course, in doing research for the show, I went right for the healthy. I mean, I was excited. I thought that Staples would now be selling organic cauliflower and grass-fed beef and pastured egg and raw milk cheese. I thought, I can do my office supply shopping and my food shopping all at the same time with one click. That was easy. Thanks, Staples. But alas, all I found there were all kinds of delicious foodiness products like Special case cereal bars and 100-calorie Oreo packs and chocolatey flavor granola bars and caramel corn-flavored rice puffs. In other words, everything an 18-year-old drone pilot in Des Moines would need to stay alert during those long remote-controlled sorties over 
Damascus. They do have an option on there of shipping you a box of fruit. But from who knows where and God knows how old and who knows what's been sprayed on it to keep it fresh. But it's great to know that now we don't even have to ride our motorized mobility scooters a single block more. We can get all our groceries right at Staples or at Bed Bath & Beyond because now they're in the food business too. Walls and walls and walls of food. Really foodiness in between the scented candle aisle and the toilet baby plunger aisle. At the returns counter at Bed Bath & Beyond in Chelsea, here in New York, they actually have drawers of candy with labels on them that say things like fruit or strawberries, except that they're drawers full of candy. The only thing missing are strawberry-flavored paper towels. One-stop shopping? Yes, please. Now, this stuff isn't food. You know that. You listen to this show. This stuff is to food what Reagan was to government. He was an actor playing a governor, governor and then a president. There was no there there in the first place. He was just a sugary, chemically enhanced, ageless packaged good designed to look, feel, taste, and smell presidential or like food or a representation of we think food is supposed to look and feel and taste and smell like if we can even remember that because maybe there really is no there there anywhere. So maybe it is because we don't like there in our there anymore. We don't like reality. It's too gritty. It's too dirty. It's too smelly and unpredictable. It it doesn't always do what we say. We can't just scroll down to make it go away. We can't click escape. Reality doesn't care whether you like it or not. So just like Reagan brought us George W. and led us to Sarah Palin and now maybe Jeb Bush in 2016... Fanta brought us Fanta-flavored ads for Fanta, which will bring us what next? A lickable Fanta app? I really shouldn't be giving these ideas away for free. Is this what you want to eat? Apps and ads? Sure, go ahead if you want. Lick your device. But just understand that, like the ad for Fanta, or Fanta itself, it isn't food. So here's a little test. It's like a foodiness litmus test, which is kind of funny because really litmus tests actually involved paper. And in my mind, it always involved edible paper because in school we had to do this thing where we stuck litmus paper in our mouth to see what color it turned. Am I remembering that or am I remembering a particularly vivid blotter acid experience? It's all kind of a blur right now. I think we were testing our saliva to see if it was acidic or alkaline, but maybe secretly they were drug testing us in the name of science. I can't remember. Anyway, let's take a foodiness litmus test. Please dip your blotter paper in this. Is it food or is it foodiness? Question A, would a caveman eat it? If a caveman came upon it, how would they react to it? Would they eat it? When I had Marion Nestle on the show a while ago, she said, sure, a caveman would eat it. It would taste great. They would love it. I'm not so sure. I don't know if a caveman would recognize foodiness as food. Maybe they would use it as building material. If you can't survive after an apocalypse on it, is it food or foodiness? Well, I think that foodiness is leading us to the apocalypse. I think that we could survive temporarily post-apocalypse on foodiness, but ultimately we need food. Will it satisfy your worst munchies, food 
or foodiness? Mm, kind of an irre- irrelevant question. If a starving child in the Sudan turns up his tiny little nose at it, is it food or foodiness? Well, they're pretty hungry. I'm not so sure. What about your dog? If your dog won't eat it, it's foodiness. Although dog food to me kind of is the pet form of foodiness. And we've never had really done a show on pet foodiness, have we? Maybe we'll have to do that soon. The way I see it, if it never walked, swam, flew, or grew out of the ground, it isn't food. If it came out of a manufacturing plant in New Jersey, it's foodiness. Shopping for food at Staples and edible advertising for Fanta makes the invasion of 7-Eleven into Manhattan seem like being in the Garden of Eden in comparison. At least the processed potato skins that come out of the mashed potato machine were at one point in some small way food. Those potatoes did grow in the ground. An edible ad for mashed potatoes flavored like mashed potatoes from a 7-Eleven mashed potato machine was never even partially food in the first place. You get it? And just wait, because I'm sure the gluten-free, raw, vegan, vitamin, and omega-3 enhanced versions of those ads are coming down the foodiness pipeline, too. We're outraged over finding actual meat, albeit horse meat, but actual meat in Ikea meatballs. But we think nothing of eating a page from a magazine. At least the paper has some fiber. Now, when we were little, didn't our moms always tell us to stop putting stuff in our mouths? You wanted to put everything in your mouth, and she told you not to put it in your mouth, and you didn't know what to put in your mouth, but didn't we do it anyway because we wanted to see what everything tasted like? We all went through that oral phase. We all put everything in our mouths all the time. And so now, as compliant little fat sheep, we're being told to put advertising in our mouths, to literally ingest truthiness. And that's what foodiness is all about. It's truthiness ingested with props to Stephen Colbert, of course. So don't do it. Don't eat the foodiness advertising. And keep a lookout for the acid-flavored Let's Get Real app that we will be launching this spring. It will be lickable. You'll be able to lick your iPad screen. And so, as I always finish every show, and I always want to remind you, please remember, if you don't want to eat sheet. If you don't want to eat shit, keep listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food here on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to Jack in the control room tonight and Chris Nutter, my co-producer, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.